Good morning, and welcome to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alfred Fisher, and I'm doing this as part of Christ Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas, and I'm so blessed that you are here with us this morning. I want to uh, extend an invitation to you that at this Christmas Eve on December 24th at 7 p.m. at our church, we're having a Christmas Eve service. We would love to have you attend. The service starts at 7 p.m. It'll last about an hour, but come and enjoy some music, some some of the word, and some fellowship afterwards. We would love to have you. Uh, we are located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue in McAllen, Texas. Again, this is the Driven to the Cross radio broadcast as part of Christ Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. Would you join me in prayer for just a few moments? Our Father in heaven, Father, we are so grateful to be here today. We are so blessed that you are our God, that you, O God, are the one who has caused our lives to even be in existence. You sent your Son to be the fulfillment of prophecy and to pay the price for our sin upon Calvary. Lord, we're so grateful for the gift of salvation that you have extended to us. We ask, Lord, that you would find our service to you pleasing. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us. We pray for our country. We pray, O oh God, that you would extend your hand upon the leaders, that we would once again be one nation under God, that you would cause the Christians to rise up, to be that unique people, the peculiar people that your word says that we are to be. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful in your sight. Let us stand on the holy word of God, that we would be that faithful servant that is proclaimed to be well done. And Lord, would you just guide us this morning? Thank you for being our God, and thank you for your Son, Jesus the Christ. We ask that this message will be pleasing in your sight, and they will bring people to a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, this morning, we are working on part of our series called The Trinity. And the reason I'm addressing this subject with you is that, for the most part, if you were to go and ask a Christian, what is the Trinity? Many of them would give you different answers because they themselves don't know. If I were to show you in the Old Testament or even ask you, where the Old Testament shows the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I, I would be surprised if I received a bunch of well-educated answers. This is a doctrine that is part of our faith, part of the Christian belief structure. And one thing that we need to recognize as individuals is that we must become a people of the book. We must understand what it is that we profess to believe and why. That is the only way that we are able to become solid apologists of the faith. And so one of the things that I felt impressed to do as of late is to teach the Christian doctrines so that our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, would have a firm understanding of what Scripture teaches. And why would you? I do this, you may ask. 
Well, it's pretty simple. As Christians, there are so many things that draw our attention away from the Word of God. We just had an election in this country. And one thing I would ask you is this. Did you vote according to Scripture? Did the candidates you supported, uh, that you rallied for, that you lent your uh, support to, did they support Holy Scripture? And if so, great. If not, why not? The question for us is this. Do we know what we believe? Do we know why we believe it? Are we able to go to Scripture to back up our belief structure, to back up our statements of faith? One of the problems that we have, if you go to just about any church, is that the people themselves don't know what they believe. And my hope and prayer is that through this broadcast, through these podcasts, if you will, through this radio time, that you would start to develop a hunger for the things of God. So we're going to be going over the doctrine of the Trinity, breaking it down so that we can see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit throughout the pages of Scripture. Now, this is not an exhaustive study. However, I want to show you some things that you probably didn't recognize before. And so we're going to be going into the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7, and going to be touching a little bit on verses 1 through 15. And I want to show you a couple things here that you might actually be surprised at. So if you'll bear with me, here's how it reads. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day. This is an important point that I want to make to you so that you would also see it. And here's what, what it is. Did you notice that God himself brought up, and what did he call them? The children. He brought up the children out of the out of Israel, uh, children of Israel out of Egypt, and here's the next part I want to show you, and this is important because we must recognize that our God does not leave us. Notice what He says. <clears throat> but I have um, dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Did you notice that? God was in the midst of his people. Now, now follow along here. Follow along for just a moment. In all the places wherein I have walked, and notice what it says, with all the children of Israel spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel when, uh, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me an house of cedar? 
Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcoat, from following the sheep, to be the ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee in house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house of my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put before thee. Now, pay close attention to those words. There's something that is recurring in this section of Scripture. God is calling the nation of Israel his people. His people. His children. Hence, we have the term the Father, the children of God. We have these things being pointed out to us. But also, did you happen to notice how God takes an active role in the life of his children? Neither the children of wickedness. Now, here is one of the roles of a father. Did you notice that he says, neither the children of wickedness shall afflict? The one of the roles of a father is to protect. Did you catch that? One of the roles of a father is to protect. It is also to guide, to lead, to teach. Those are some of the small roles. But one thing I want you to notice here, as we look at this, God did not put Solomon, who is the one who follows David, as you may know, as a stepchild. No, he had Solomon as his child. And did you notice that God said something to David? And that is this. He says, and I shall establish his kingdom, and he, sh- and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And then he goes on and he says, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And now he says something very profound. He didn't give him an attaboy, but what did he do? He says, if, if he commit iniquity. So in other words, it's like this. Did you notice that God the Father was not going to let Solomon slide because David did well? You see, a father corrects. A father 
guides. A father teaches what is right and wrong. And here God the Father is speaking and saying, your son is my son. Now, this is an important point that I want us to grasp. And I I made this point to my church not long ago. I don't like the term stepchild or stepson or stepdaughter or stepmother or stepfather. And here's why. If you are providing care for that child, if you are the one who is ministering to that child, raising that child, pouring your life into that child, regardless of blood, that child is your child, not a stepchild. You see, this goes back to the Bible, because in the Jewish culture, a child, when they are adopted in, was not able to be cast out. My brothers and sisters, when you receive salvation, you are not able to be cast aside. The Bible tells us very clearly that not even I can pluck you forth from my hand. That's important in regards to your salvation. Do you believe that today? That your salvation is so solid, so sure, when you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you have repented from your sin and surrendered your life to Him, you belong to Him. You are grafted into the vine of Christ. You are brought about with a clean robe, that robe of righteousness, that if you happen to remember our session series that we did right before this, you would see very clearly that it is the robe of righteousness that God places upon us. It is the scepter of righteousness that gives us that authority as part of the bride of Christ the children of the living God. Notice what what follows here in this section of Scripture. He says, if he commit iniquity, what does God say next? Notice this is a personal thing. If Solomon goes and commits sin, if he commits iniquity, God says, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him. Here is the beautiful thing in this. As a father, God chastens those whom he loves. Why? So that they would stay on the path of righteousness and avoid falling into the trap of sin. You see, as Christians, we are called to be a separate people, a peculiar people called out, sanctified. In other words, we are called out to be set apart to be peculiar, to be different, to be the type of individual that is distinctive. Why? Because we are part of a royal family. We are part of the bride of Christ. We are children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And here, what we find is that God takes that personal interest. God the Father himself displays the attributes of a caring, godly man. How so? He says, if he commit iniquity, referring to David's son who was going to take the throne after David passed away, he says, I will chasten him. In other words, I will correct him. Why? That he would not 
be embroiled in sin, but that he would stay on the path that God has taught him. And then he says this, he says, I'll chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But this part here is something that we all must remember and something that every individual, <coughs> pardon me, who is a member of the bride of Christ, you must have mercy. Have you ever extended mercy or received mercy? Here's mercy. When a child has a punishment or an adult receives an, a punishment, it's not to the full extent of what it is that you feel is due. Now look, notice something else. He says, as I took from Saul. Well, who was Saul? Saul was the king of Israel before David. And why did God remove his mercy from Saul? Well, that's very simple. Saul sought to put himself in a place of preeminence. He would not wait for Nathan when it came time to offer a sacrifice, as was the duty of the priests. He thought that because he was king, he had the divine right to be in the office that God had given to someone else. And so he did not wait to offer the sacrifice. And then it says, whom I put away before thee. In other words, this was God's hand putting away the wickedness before David. Now this is so important for us to grasp as we look at what a father, what God the Father, does. In this aspect, in this section of scripture, I want you to notice that God the Father did something very, very important. He points out through history that he dwelt among his children. He did not ask for anything better. He walked among them when they were in the wilderness. He led them. He guided them. He provided for them with the manna, the bread of heaven. He provided the sustenance needed. He provided the protection for the children of Israel. And now God says he's going to prepare a dwelling place, a place where the children of Israel will not have to move anymore. And at that time, it is right for him to have a temple built, a house, if you will, so that the people will have a set place for worship. Now, my friends, there's so many attributes of God the Father in here. Did you notice that he says that when, uh, if we go back here, he says that I commanded judges over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. That is a divine protection. And let's go back a little bit further. And this is something I want you to really think about as we progress through this. Did you ha Do you remember the phrase, Lord of hosts? This is important. He says, Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. And he's adding an emphasis here. When he says Lord of hosts, he's referring to the God of armies, the one who is over the very host, the army, the might of heaven. And so here... When he, when he is speaking to David, he says, 
I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep. Here he's showing that his whole divine authority was taken and placed in emphasis as the one who established King David. The very Lord of hosts, the God of gods, the God of armies, the one who commands the armies of heaven, was for David. Now here's a question for you. Just a brief one. If we look at this and we think about our lives, as little children, most little children think their dad is the strongest, the biggest, the baddest man alive. No one can ever hurt their dad. Well, your spiritual father, the one in heaven, God the Father, commands the very armies of heaven. And the question I have for you in this, do you trust him? Do you look at him as the one who is the sustainer of all things? Do you look at him and say, that is my father, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who commands the host of heaven? And, and here's why I want to, to bring this up to you. Would you like to have the host of heaven on your side or against you? Let me say, say that again. Would you like to have the host of heaven on your side? Or against you. Here, David, through the prophet Nathan, is receiving word that it is time to compile all the materials. And I would love to go into a thing on the building of the temple because it's amazing. And we'll get into some of that when it comes time uh, to discuss the Holy Ghost. But one thing I want you to recognize is this. God is a God of order. And as such, he had David compile all of the materials so that his son would build the temple. Why is that important? As a father, we are to help prepare the way for those that come after us. That is a godly heritage. David's name secured the contracts. David's name secured the materials. David's name prepared the way. His son Solomon built upon what his father had done. Now, as a father, are you laying that kind of heritage for your children? Are you bringing that about in such a way that it would be healthy for them, that they're able to go and build upon what it is you have started? My, my dear friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, in this section of scripture, God the Father not only shows correction, but he also provides guidance. He provides protection. He provides direction. He provides peace and security. That is one of the roles of the intimate relationship of the Father. So I'm going to conclude with that for now.
And we'll get into more of this next week, but I want to invite you. Come down on Sunday morning. Our service starts at 10.30. We go into much, much more detail uh, on those messages. So you have time when this broadcast is over to get ready and come on down to church. If you're worried about it, our church is, we have a company come in and they sterilize it every month and it lasts for 30 days. And so you have nothing to worry about. We would love to meet you, fellowship with you, get to know you, and link arms with you as we labor for the glory of Christ. And just a reminder for you, come on down to our Christmas Eve service at 7 p.m. We would love to have you. We would love to fellowship with you and to meet you and for you to come and be a part as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Once again, I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher, and I'm the pastor at Christ Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. Drop us a line. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook at Christ Covenant McAllen. We're on the web at ChristCovenantMcAllen.org. Won't you come on down? We'd love to have the opportunity to be blessed by being your new acquaintance and hopefully your friend. And may we link arms in the ministry of Christ. God bless you.